Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of EdChoice Chats. I'm Dory McCarroll, the Community Engagement Associate here at EdChoice, and I'm super happy to be joined by some of my coworkers today. Today, we have Emery Edwards, Vice President of Outreach. What's going on, everyone? Shavon Stewart, Parent Engagement Manager. Hello, you guys. And Michelle Banner, Training and Events Manager. Hi. So thank you guys so much for being here with me today. We are recording this on February 1st. So happy Black History Month, everybody. And we're just super excited to sit down and talk today. So we'll just hop right into it. So guys, the school choice movement has typically been labeled as having major support from conservatives, but we know from our own ed choice polling that it has huge support from communities of color as well. And we also know that there's amazing champions of school choice like Dr. Mm -hmm. Howard Fuller and Virginia Walden Ford who have been fighting this fight for decades. Emery, I know that you have met Dr. Mm -hmm. Fuller on a number of occasions. Can you kind of talk about what he's done for the movement since his involvement beginning in the late 80s? I mean, Dr. Fuller is just a titan in the movement. You know, from his early on work, just as an organizer coming out of Carolina, but really a lot of his impact was, you know, helping to pass the Wisconsin voucher program when he was actually a superintendent in Milwaukee to him lunch in Bayo. When you look at a lot of the leaders who are in the space now, we count Dr. Fuller as one of our mentors. I am blessed to be, you know, connected to him, to be able to reach out to him whenever I need something because he's one of those guys, he keeps it real and he truly is unapologetic about, hey, how do we create an educational ecosystem that will push and allow Black and brown kids to thrive? And mm -hmm. he's unapologetic about getting to that standpoint. He's truly one of those guys about, that's truly about any means necessary. So whether it's, you know, launching new charter schools, whether it's foster programs, whether it's ESAs, whatever mechanism we need to have in place to allow parents to truly have options and utilize those options. Somebody who's been in that fight and, you know, even at the great respectful age that he is now, he's still fighting. Um, laugh. I think he said that he's retiring maybe two or three times, but he's still out fighting and doing the work. He's one of those guys that everybody in the movement looks up to. Yeah, that's awesome. I haven't gotten a chance to meet him just yet. But when I had a conversation with Virginia Walden Ford, I just feel like she was such a wealth of knowledge. And I feel like it really speaks to how dedicated we are to help students who look like us and just all students in general, that people have been deciding to dedicate decades of their life to trying to advance this mission. So I think that's super cool. And I feel like it's definitely like modern Black history being made. So that's super exciting. So I wanted to step back just a little bit so we can give the listeners a little bit of each of our backgrounds. Can we all go around and share our educational backgrounds and like the types of schools that we went to growing up? So, I mean, I'm originally from South Georgia and, you know, we had very few options. You know, when I came up, it was either you went to your traditional public school or you went to either a Catholic or Christian private school. 
you know anything about the South, you know about why a lot of the private schools were started. So for us in the city I grew up in, you had your two predominantly Black high schools. You had a few predominantly Black middle schools, elementary schools, and those were true community schools, but those schools educated generations of Black students. So that was my K through 12. I can remember, you know, my second grade teacher went to my church. One of my vice principals in elementary school lived around the corner from me. Me and her daughter grew up together. I have stories about her actually saving me the few times that I got in trouble because, (laughs) you know, she had the right to treat me like her own. So I was blessed to be able to grow up in an environment to where from elementary school all the way through high school, I had black educators that truly cared about us. And even for those of us that had struggles, you know, they made us know that, hey, we're loved. Even if there's not a lot of hope for you to go on beyond cop, you know, go on beyond high school, we want you to know that you're able to thrive and live. So I can look back and kind of question, hey, did I actually, from an academic standpoint, you know, were we in the best environment? Maybe, but we were made to know that, you know, we're great, we're capable of doing great things. And, you know, I think that's kind of propelled me to like why I'm in this work today and why I really want to push to make sure that more black and brown students are able to have some of those experiences that I had coming up. For me, I was a little bit different than what Emory had growing up. So I originally went to Flannery House, which is a majority black, like preschool, kind of elementary. So I went there for preschool and kindergarten. And then my parents moved and did not want to keep traveling that far to take me to Flannery House. So then I went to a public school here in called Wayne Township, where I went from being around most black people to just having one black teacher in the whole building. So that was a little bit of a struggle because I did run into quite a few teachers that did not understand or could not get over racism, which is unfortunate. But I like just like Emery, I had that teacher. Her name is Miss Matthews. I'll never forget her. She's a third grade teacher. She was able to save me from a lot of situations. And at some time she had to call my mother in as reinforcement to say, hey, you know, get it together. But that was pretty much my experience because I went from that public school to a, a different one, still in Wayne Township. So we did not have as many people that looked like me. It was the west side of Indy. And I think that my parents just did not know that there were other options around or didn't think that they could afford it at the time. So public school was the best option for me and my siblings at that time. I think in middle school, I probably had a couple of Black teachers that I could go to. And then in high school, it increased a little bit more. But I did notice that we definitely, I needed more teachers that look like me in order to feel comfortable and in order to kind of flourish as what you need to in a K through 12. Let's give a huge shout out to Flannery House. Yes. They are my youngest right now, and they're doing some amazing work with them. They are really great. Flannery House is amazing. Well, I, I actually did go to school on the northwest side of town as well. And I agree with that sentiment, Michelle. You know, K through 10, I had completed in Pike Township. And that was nice. I remember one token Black teacher who was that teacher for everyone. And mm-hmm. he's actually soared in his own programming. And I think he's, he's went above and beyond from principal to like school board leader. 
So he was always amazing, but it was just him. I actually first came to choice when I needed to make a personal decision for myself and my mother left me to do it. Entering 11th grade and being a 17 year old, I was also about to become a young mother. So I actually begged my mom to allow me to choose a different school that wasn't the township school that I had been involved with. Because I just said, those people don't know me in this realm. And I need to go somewhere where this won't be as much of a state. That's when I actually chose a charter school by the name of Indianapolis Metropolitan. Indy Met back then, it's a career academy or high school now. It's been undergoing some changes. But back then, when I first got there, first of all, my mom let me choose. And I'm always appreciative of her for that because the program was so accelerated. I was able to finish early. I was able to take college courses and gain college credits early. Me having a child, it wasn't a hindrance at all because of the way that the school was set up. And there was actually maybe 50-50, if not 60-40, led by Black educators in that school. So it was a complete 180 and exactly what I needed at that impressionable age. But I am proud that I kind of was the one to lead myself into realizing I did have that choice. Yeah, I think that's so cool. I have a little bit different experience than you guys. I didn't have any Black teachers growing up. I went to predominantly white elementary, like K through eight, and then a better mix of a demographic for high school, but still predominantly white. Both schools were like religious schools, but I didn't have my first Black teacher until my sophomore year of college. So I feel like my shift, I guess, is the opposite of you guys, where I wasn't even really like expecting to see teachers that looked like me. So then when the one teacher that I did have, my history teacher, started my sophomore year of high school, everybody was like, oh my gosh, like this is so cool, like finally. So that's, I think that's kind of interesting that I'm a little bit on the opposite like end of that than you guys are. But nonetheless, I feel like I had a great experience in school. They definitely did foster a lot of like curiosity and learning and faith is really big in my family. So that's why my parents made that decision to have me attend those schools to help that be part of just like my growing up. But I also don't know if my parents knew that what they were doing was considered school choice. I think they were just like, well, we want Dory to go to this school and we're going to make it happen. But I just, I don't think that they really understood until recently that that is actually another form of choice. Like Mm -hmm. I should have been going to our districts like township school, but instead they drove me 20 minutes away. So yeah, it was still a good experience for sure. But I do wonder how differently I would have turned out or how differently my experiences would have been at like younger ages if I did have more black teachers. Yeah, and like when you bring that up, it's really a big shift when you depending on like what part of the country that you grow up in. Being from Georgia, you know, looking at some stats last weekend, I want to say I think Georgia is like 30, between 30 and 35 percent African-American. And there are those pockets where you have cities that are like 60, you know, 60, 70 percent black. You're in areas to where. 
yeah, from kindergarten, you are with black teachers all the mm-hmm. way through, but then you can go to a different state. And like you said, not experience one black teacher or there's mm-hmm. one black teacher in the entire school. So knowing that impact, knowing how that can actually shift your educational experience, also knowing the impact that it has on those teachers. So being able to see kids that, you know, have a gift, but they just need the right person to pull it out of them or that kid that's been labeled bad, but you know, this kid is not bad. They just need it to be directed somewhere else. Being able to see that and connect with them, that's what makes choice so much more important now. And as a parent, being able to understand that and see what is that environment, what type of culture do I truly want my kid to be in so that I know that they're in a situation where they can thrive. Well, that's actually a perfect segue because I don't yet have kids, but I'm always so curious to know, like, what you all wanted for your kids and how your personal experiences when you were growing up and going through school, how did that impact the decisions that you made for each of your students? So could each of you kind of talk about like why you decided to send your students to whatever type of schooling they go to and kind of mention if it's public, private, homeschool, charter school? It definitely has, you know, been like a major piece of like why we've decided the schools that our three are in. My wife actually has a background more similar to yours, Dory. So she grew up in private schools. I never attended a private school. And I was very intentional about, hey, I want to see like around leaders, not just teachers, like in leadership. So because I knew the importance of that, having like principals that, you know, one of my principals in high school would see us walking through the hallway and be like, all right, doctor, mm-hmm. I'm your lawyer. So they were giving us these affirming words to I where me and my homeboys, we carry like little small portfolios as briefcases for one year because mm-hmm. We had this man that we looked up to that was like, hey, you guys are going to be business owners. You're going to be doctors and lawyers and stuff. So we was like, hey, let's dress the part. Mm-hmm. Knowing the importance of that, you know, when we started looking at schools, we were interviewing leadership like, all right, so how does your leadership team look? It's the only Black person that you have in leadership. You know, I see some teachers, but we were really intentional in that. And also, we wanted to make sure that we had a school that was going to have somewhat of a family feel. So, you know, we were happy and excited, you know, to send our kids originally to Urban Act Academy, which was, you know, founded by a Black woman. At that time, her principal was a Black woman. And she also had, you know, two Black men that were part of the leadership team. So they spent their first two years there. And, you know, we always laugh about this story. You don't hear a lot about schools actually telling you like, hey, we love your kids and while we love them, we may not be the right place for them right now. They need more rigor than what we can actually give them. That was a situation that we ran into to where they really came to us and said, hey, here are some other schools that we think we're actually going to give the rigor that your two oldest need. And while we would love to keep them and be able to count them as part of our stats, we know what they need to keep continue to grow. So the school that they're at now, one of the top schools in the States when you look at, you know, how black and brown kids perform. I truly believe in their leadership. It's not the same makeup as it was before, but there's a strong belief that all kids can be successful. And that means a lot to me. And their vice principal is a lady of color. So 
they're working on that diversity piece and that's something that they recognize and notice. So we've been able to put them in environments where they're still able to see black leadership or black people in leadership, but also people that will push them forward. Like I said, with our youngest, he's at Flannery House, so he's getting the culture right away because that's what he needed. We knew that he probably was not ready to be in an environment where he had to sit at a desk all day, every day, and was made to work in this box. That's not his spirit right now. So we wanted to put him in a place that understand that and work with that and actually encourage and pull, you know, what he needed to get from his environment. So we're still trying to figure out where his next move is going to be, but we're really big on making sure that they're in an environment that's going to work best for them versus mm-hmm. just sending them to the school that's closest to us. We drive 20, 25 minutes every morning saving the school. So. Awesome. Michelle? I wish I had known all this information before I had kids, but I'm learning. So my kids go to a public school and it's actually Wayne Township still. (laughs) But mine was more of a convenience for myself and their father because of like our hours that we were working at our jobs and just being able to have the boys be somewhere that is was closer to family so that if we weren't able to pick them up, our family didn't have to travel very far. And I also did not know, just like my parents, I did not know about choice. Like I didn't know that I could go to a private school and have it, you know, be affordable. I didn't know too much about charter schools, Montessori's, things like that. Like I I literally just found out about a Montessori, I think maybe three or four years ago. I think it was right around pandemic because like Emery, my youngest does not do very well when it comes to sitting in a classroom and being in that structured classroom. But thank goodness though, he has a great teacher who was my middle son Lincoln's his teacher his third grade teacher so she kind of knew the family she understood like our struggles I was able to kind of lean on her for support and help when it came to teaching my child so she kind of helped me and stepped up when it came to him but it's still the same situation there are not a lot of teachers that look like them in their classrooms or in their schools So that is something like I actually just had a conversation with Emory about this the other day about looking for different schools that they could go to that will kind of be a little bit more uplifting and to kind of see like, you know, they're not kind of just placed on the back burner just Mm -hmm. because they are not of a different race. So I am in the process of looking at that and kind of going on school tours and trying to figure out what is going to be best for my kids. And another thing with the public schools, no offense to them, because it is a good school, but it's just mm-hmm. we are running into things like they took away art, it took away technology. And then they like now, like I remember when I was in school, we had home ec. We don't even have home ec anymore. Like that's not even a thing to kind of teach kids about life. So I need to research that a little bit more. But for now, my kids are in public school, but hopefully mm-hmm. the next year they will be moved on to a, a different school that is more accommodating to their needs. Awesome. Awesome. So Shayvon, you said that your mom gave you the option to kind of decide what schooling option would be the best for you in that phase of your life. Did you do that with your child or how did that kind of conversation go? Yes. So it's funny that you mentioned that because I have not yet, Mm -hmm. but we're actually moving into that bit of choice over this summer. Originally, I thought 
like I said, I finished at accelerated program. So I thought I'm going to go ahead and start her somewhere that I feel like is more accelerated and that Mm -hmm. just didn't fit to me in public school. So I went ahead and gave her to a charter school, IMSA, which is a math and science academy. I thought, you know, this is most important. So you should be doing this right now. But I just wasn't aware that first and second grade was kind of coloring and, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to get over the lack of nap time. So I just felt like she didn't get those basics that I needed her to have. So then I sent her to a public school, which was right back to Pike Township where I went. I'm like, okay, well, maybe you'll go ahead and get the basics here and we'll work from there. So she did get those basics. She went to public school up until about sixth grade. And honestly, Michelle, I felt the same way that you had kind of just mentioned that it was too basic. As basic Mm -hmm. as mine was, they weren't giving the basics like Mm -hmm. they used to. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, we've got to reroute. We've got to rethink. So I went ahead and then took her to Tinley, which is a charter school. And it's also an accelerated program. It's also predominantly Black with predominantly Black teachers. And it's just funny, you know, I really feel like you have to try these different ways so your kid can see, so you can see, because I thought that immersing her in our culture would be best. And it is nice. And I do like that her current school, it has direct pipelines to colleges, specifically HBCUs, which is something her and I are on par that she'll be attending. But she has become a one of a hundred instead of one of one, you know, if we're all the exact same, she kind of feels it's harder to stand out. Actually, academically, she wants more. So this summer, we've decided that we would go and look at a couple of different private schools to see if those programs might be better for her. And that's where I'm inducting her to realize that you do have the opportunity to choose yourself, but it's a responsibility. I'm going to have the same conversation with her that my mom had with me. It's a responsibility. It's a choice. And you don't get to choose every day. So like you have to be able to be okay with the choice that you're about to make. So we're about to get into throws right now. I'm definitely wanting to research private schools. I think an important thing when you look at all of our stories, that has to be a greater conversation in our community. Yeah. Don't know those days where you put a kid in a school and they just stay there from kindergarten to 12th Mm -hmm. grade. Like Mm -hmm. being able to understand the different needs that your kid will have as they go through different grades and being able to adapt and shift to that. That's Mm -hmm. truly what makes choice so important because now you have those different options. Everything Mm -hmm. doesn't look the same. I can remember when I was growing up, magnet schools were just starting and I was on the wait list for our magnet school for maybe three years. When I got to middle school, they was like, hey, we got a space for you. And my mom was like, no, because I know all of the administration at the middle school. So I know exactly what you're going to get there. And you're getting the same level of enrichment and rigor from them because they know you personally and they're going to push you hard. I would have switched to another school. I wouldn't have gotten that. And there was no other options for me to do anything different. But now with families actually seeing that, hey, there are place models, there's place-based learning, there are different models of different programming. You have STEM, you have schools like Purdue Polytech that are actually giving more of a college feel in high school where their teachers are kind of seen more as like counselors 
but helping them walk through how they do their work and really be prepared to go to a research institution. So actually understanding as a parent, how your kid learns and like what motivates them to make sure that you're able to put them in the best option and you have the resources to do that makes like this choice environment and understanding choice like so much more important right now. Such a good point. I feel like whenever I do have kids, I am excited for the different options that are being developed now, different options that haven't even been invented yet that will be helpful to kids in the future. So I'm excited to kind of do like, I feel like I'm taking notes from each of you just writing it down in my little notepad over here, but making sure that I remember the insights that you guys have been saying. So whenever it is time for me to make the decision of where my kids are going to go, that I know how to research what options are available to me, resources for helping to make it more affordable, involving my student in that conversation, like Shavon and Emery said, making sure that I know how they learn. And I think you did make a good point, Emery, of no longer are we at the times where people are going to the same school, like you said, from K until 12, and then whatever pipeline is for like college, if college is the option, I think it's just really important to keep all of that in mind for sure. But I'll also say, take your time with having kids. Oh, gosh. All the time. Like, (laughs) they're great. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Right now, right now I'm working for all the students that I'm trying to help get educational choice. So those are my kids right now. And we thank you for your work. My, yes, my service for sure. Honestly, I I just really wanted to reiterate that that is going to stick with me. And I definitely want to have a conversation with the parent ambassadors of parent court later about that, because I don't think that I've ever looked at that like that. We don't have to stay from K through 12 any longer. And I have realized that from elementary to middle school to we're going close to high school, my child has needed something different. And I will say when I first was changing her schools, I was worried about her social structures. Like, well, maybe, you know, will she find friends when she gets there? Will she, you know, but leading with those kind of fears, it really does mess with the kids' education because they're fine. They're resilient. I mean, when you think about like how social media it's come into place in all these different extracurricular programs that kids are in. Kids have friends all across the city now mm-hmm. without even being at different schools. Yeah. So like the fear that we once had, like, hey, if I pull my kid from this school to another one, they're not going to be around their friends anymore. They're not going to be able to connect with them. They're already following each other on Instagram, <laughs> or what TikTok, whatever the next social media craze is going to come out. Right. So that interaction that we've always been concerned about is no longer a big concern. Yeah, their network builds. So I guess I need to let my kids have social media so they can experience. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, like, no. I'm, I'm saying it as like, no, my nine-year-old is not anything. <laughs> they just were able, I just put Roblox on their tablets. Like, mm. Yeah, I waited for that too. Yeah. That's probably one. Okay, so to kind of round out the conversation, I feel like we started touching on it a little bit, but I just want to go a little bit deeper into it. I mean, the conversation of educational choice has been, I feel like, almost unrecognizable from when it first started to where we are now. 
And so kind of looking into the future, 20 years in the future, when people are on a podcast with our friends, like how we are talking about school choice, talking about educational freedom, what do you guys think or hope that that conversation is going to look like? I hope that it looks like a Starbucks order and it has all of the excitement behind mm-hmm. together all of these different syrups and extra shots and blondies, da, 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 handcrafting this drink, yeah. knowing that each line item adds an extra 20, 30 cent, but I got it. I want it to be that type of natural conversation. Like, you know, just with your girlfriends, with your guy friends, like, oh, yeah, I talked to the kid and he's told me that he's into basketball. This school's basketball team is terrible. Yeah, we've got to look at other schools, but academically as well. You know, just it looks like it's something that's the conversation that's worth having. And it's not like, oh, okay, got to look at a different school. Got to, you know, it's exciting as ordering your Starbucks drink. I can't wait to go to that school in the morning and tell them exactly what I want for my kid. I've done the research. I know I've talked to the Emery's. I've talked to the Michelle's and the Dory's of the world. I know exactly what to do for, or where to go to find the information for my kid. I pull up, there's a Starbucks on every corner. (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, I'm looking forward to more parents that look like me and lack the knowledge that I had like the lack of knowledge that I had of school choice. I'm looking forward to them having more understanding so that they can be able to make the right choices when it comes to school for their kids. And that they know that it's not like you, Emery and Shavon said, that it's not just a one-stop shop thing. Like you can go to other schools. And I think that for me and a lot of the parents that I am close to, we didn't know. Like when I started this job, I started telling everybody and their mother about the school yeah. choice. And I think even for some of my friends are looking into it because we weren't just, we're not aware mm-hmm. as like our counterparts are where they have a little bit more knowledge and they are pushed for it a little bit more. So I'm looking forward to more parents that look like us that have more of an understanding. Like I can say, it's, I'm hoping and expecting that we have a mix of what you both just said. Parents that truly are aware know what they want, know how to create the best environment for their kids. Mm-hmm. Also, education becomes truly like customizable. So where, hey, I may take two classes from this school on Monday and then Tuesday I'm at this campus. Wednesday is my day at home to where I just get to focus on, you know, doing work. Thursday, you know, there's this school that has a great arts program. So I'm doing arts over here but we're able to create this environment to where school choice means empowerment and we're empowering communities to truly be in control of how education looks in their communities. We have an ecosystem where instead of schools being put against each other, they're collaborating. You get to where like Dory's heard me talk about this, but like how powerful would it be to be able to go to like one building that has four or five different school models. So it makes it easier for you to say, hey, you know, there's a STEM focused school in this building, there's an arts focus, there's a liberal arts. I can get all of that in one space and, you know, it's all tailored to how I need. You know, I'm hoping that we get to that point. You know, micro schools really 
give me a lot of excitement because I think that's going to be one of the drivers. And also is realizing that kids don't learn the same way and some kids need smaller environments. So being able to have more options and more spaces for all kids where they can get what they need out of it. I think a like collection of everything that you three just said. And I hope that there's even more options that haven't even been discussed or thought of or invented yet. That kind of really is exciting to me to know that we're going to keep evolving and this train is going to keep moving the school choice bus, as we like to say sometimes, but we're going to keep moving forward. And I just am excited to know, and I feel confident that there will be just very inclusive options, kind of speaking to what Emery said. But also, I hope that there's conversations like this that are recorded that people can like look back on as like resources and that we're not only talking about a few very prominent black and brown like advocates for the movement, but it's like we don't even have enough time on the podcast to talk about all of the black school leaders and the parent organizations and the grassroots organizations that are advocating and fighting for students that either they have themselves or they're just the students in the community Mm -hmm. that they're fighting for. Because I feel like we are a very familial community. Like it takes a village. And I hope that we kind of lean more into that as well of really leaning on each other and realizing that if one person succeeds, like we're all succeeding and just kind of remembering that it's a collaborative, like teamwork kind of thing. So that's what I hope is going to happen in the next 20 years. Yeah, I think when you look at the movement, we're getting a lot closer to that. People have been able to segment the movement to where you have the few of us who are in the Black education space that support, you know, universal choice. So for your vouchers, ESAs, you have a strong charter contingent. You have a growing homeschool, micro school contingent, and then you have those who want to reform how our public schools are looking. And people have been able to keep us in silos. But now there are organizations like Adlock, National Charter Collaborative, FCCS, Freedom Coalition for Charter Schools, alongside of us and some others who are trying to say, hey, all of us that are in the space that are looking to support work to improve education for Black and Brown students, let's get out of these silos and really look see how we can collaborate. So I think at the near future, you're going to see more groups working together to kind of break down some of those walls and barriers that have been put up. Truly say like, hey, here's how a platform looks that will support improving education overall, regardless of what type of school that kid is going to for Black and Brown students. I think we're we're getting closer there. Yeah, I feel like we are too. So I'm super excited about that. But does anybody have any final closing statements? Thank you to you, Dory, for organizing Mm -hmm. us and this, especially at the very top of Black History Month. I think you are so important Mm -hmm. and these moments are so important. Mm -hmm. And I'm just happy that you make sure that they happen for sure. Thank you for saying that. We've had several conversations around this. So, so happy that, you know, you have been at the forefront 
mm-hmm. of making sure that not just for Black History Month, but when you look at Women's History Month, Latino mm-hmm. History Month, that mm-hmm. we are putting out content and building content that speaks to different communities. You know, one of the things that we want to do here at Choice is build bridges. So we want to make sure that everybody feels that they're a part of this movement. And, you know, this isn't just a conservative movement. No, this is a people movement. Being able to tell stories that connect to all of the different people that are in this space. Important. And you've done a great job of making sure that we're doing it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I really am just yeah. wanting everybody to feel included in the conversation and like you said emory this school choice movement educational freedom movement is not just a conservative movement it's not just a movement that you should be in if you are currently a parent if you're more seasoned in your life or if you're younger like me i want everybody to know that they can be an advocate for something that they really care about and even if people decide that they don't want to have kids, but they're still invested in the betterment of children and their educational journey and their lives. Like we're all important pieces that should work together so that we can have the most impact. So thank you to each of you and each of your roles in just like life and parenthood, but also each of your roles here at EdChoice. I know that, I mean, I've seen it. Every one of you has made an impact on people. People say all the time that our trainings are amazing and that they get so much out of it. So shout out to Michelle and her team for the trainings. We just launched our parent core. So Siobhan is really doing some awesome things with that and making sure again that parents and not just parents, but just family members in general know that their voice is important and valued and that we want to know how they're feeling. And we want to know what we can do to help support them. So shout out to Trayvon for that. And then, of course, Mr. Emery Edwards, just amazing, always wanting to reach out to new audiences, build bridges, like he said, and know that people are noticing. It's really good, and we really appreciate you. So thank you to each of my guests. I think that we are all in our own ways currently making Black history, so I feel excited about that. And I know that we're only going to go up from here. So thank you again. Happy Black History Month to everybody listening. Thank you to our audience for sticking with us for the past little while. But definitely be sure to stay up to date on all things EdChoice on our social media channels at EdChoice and then at www.edchoice.org. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.